This morning, the scripture reading is taken from Psalm 23, a very familiar psalm. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rock and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This morning, we are very special and very privileged to have Pastor, Pastor Rexa to come and preach to us, Shepherd of my soul. Pastor Rexa, please. I think the teacher know. Good morning. I think I've been here almost two weeks and uh, honestly, I'm not exactly speaking but eating and uh, to go wherever with James always eating and uh, thank you so much James uh, for making me eat a lot of food and I think that the last day he's prepared durian I know that's not a durian season but uh, that's why the way how uh, Brother James treat me. Thank you so much. I think, uh, thank you, uh, Brother, for reading Psalms, so I don't need to read again, and I'll save some time to go through that. As I study on Psalm 23, I'm not sure when the Psalm was written, but there are so uh, many varying uh, theory and uh, biblical scholar, they say different things. Uh, however, the theme of Psalm 23 seems to suggest that David sang this song when he was a, young, a shepherd boy, a young boy, because he know the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. He pulled out, uh, out his song from his personal uh, experience as a shepherd. As a young boy, he know how to take care of the sheep. I never know how to take care of sheep, but during the Camaro period, they assigned me to take care of the water buffaloes and cows. So I know uh, where to get the water for the buffalo. Buffalo can never survive in the heat. And then the cow can never survive in the water. So all those jobs, I think I learned very well during the Khmer period. He knows the danger of them when they were lost in the valley, and he know where to bring them to the green pasture. Most of all, as a shepherd boy, he know how to protect them from being attacked by the wild animal. Without doubt, he know by his personal experience, the care, the tender affection of the good shepherd toward the sheep. He had a lot of experience of tending the sheep. The last three verses of the psalm seem to suggest that David sitting in his palace and looking back on his personal experience composed this psalm to reflect how his life was comforted by the Lord our shepherd during the flight from Saul and during his uh, and also within the family circle. So that's why in verse 4 he said, even those I walk those the darkest valley I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your stars they comfort me and the Lord bless his life surely goodness and love of the Lord will follow me the rest of my life and David reflect on the blessing the mercy of the Lord for his life for only he wished to be with the house of the Lord. For David, in his last part of the psalm, one thing that he always wanted to do was to 
live in the house of the Lord, which means that lies worship the Lord. You know, it is not important uh, uh, when the psalm was written, but it comforted my heart in a time of learning to cope with my psychological trauma. I used this psalm to, uh, for healing my symptom of what they call post-traumatic stress disorder. As a PTSD uh, sufferer, I look for the healing grace from the Psalm 23. It is simply my personal experience of learning to cope with my cycle of trauma. I believe that you probably heard many pastors preaching this Psalm in many different ways. But today I just want to share with you in my own personal uh, experience how I use this Psalm to help me to overcome my own uh, PTSD. You know, in, in, in Cambodia, uh, Psalm t- uh, 23 was very popular. Uh, they used uh, Psalm 26 for many reasons, such as worship song, a wedding, funeral, and so on. So, But beyond that, they used Psalm 23 as license plate, you know. And in fact, you had to pay extra money to get the Psalm 23 for motorbike uh, license plate and even a football jersey, you know. Well, when, when you see someone use like, like that, you, we can tell that that one is a Christian. And uh, in fact, uh, nobody uh, bothered them. Uh, we are free to use that. Psalm 23 is about the relationship uh, between the sheep and the shepherd. I asked many pastors what the term mean to them. The answer mostly refer to God, the Father, or Israel, Jesus, uh, Jesus, the Son of God. In the Old Testament, the term shepherd referred to the Israel leader and the God of Israel. But in the New Testament, Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd. Many parts of the psalm, uh, the book of Psalm, are full of complaint. Uh, like uh, we read this morning, uh, there's, there's a lot of complaint about that. David expressed his feeling to the Lord in time of struggle, unfair treatment, anger, depression, anxiety, disappointment, fear and doubt, and the darkness. And you know, as a king, why had to uh, express all this uh, darkness and uh, treatment or kind that? Well, he's a human being, even though he's a king. He all struggled with that. Apart from that complaint, David expressed his gratitude, joy, praise, thankful, uh, thanksgiving to the Lord. Uh, I mean, something this is full of uh, comfort for me. And uh, it, it helped me to, uh, to see different perspective uh, of some. And, uh, Before I, I, I speak on this, uh, let me point out that uh, it, it takes only one second. It can turn the person upside down in many different ways. Paul said that as far as depend on you, live at peace with everyone. Right now, as we live in a modern world, we don't need to... Uh, to do all kinds of things, but sometimes just one message that we use on our own phone negatively send a message to someone, it can turn that person upside down in many different ways. So we are called to live at peace with others. Sometimes the church should be a place that's full of grace. But it's not so. Church can become a place where we hurt each other immensely. Sometimes pastor preaching something in which you don't like and you say a very bad comment and send to the church. And uh, you can tell that how the pastor suffer. I travel more than 20 years speaking and I meet many pastors some of them told me that during their leadership in the church, they suffer a lot because we don't know how to embrace each other. 
So please bear with me. I may may say something wrong. May not you may not be happy, but this is reality. Church should be the place that we can embrace God's love. Somehow it turned out to be a political arena. So sometimes just one few negative words it destroys the person uh, in a different way. Let me share with you uh, about my own personal experience of trauma. When the Khmer Rouge captured the whole country, they forced the city uh, people from the city to go to work in the countryside. And that time, when we were in the countryside, they were looking for intellectual people, like professor, doctor, and government administrator, and so and so. Then they were telling these people to go to school. To go to school by a company standard would mean execution. Our families try so hard to conform to their rule and their policy. Imagine we live in the country, what we call the jail without walls, which means that psychologically, we were locked into the darkness for three years, eight months, and 20 days in hell. Think about the psychological damage to all those uh, victims in Cambodia. 1977, one early morning, Khmer Rouge arrested my father. My, they bought his arm backwards, and my fa father confirmed them, what is wrong with me? They said that today, we will destroy you. If we, get, if we keep you, we get nothing. But if we kill you, we lose nothing because you serve American government. Then they went on to say CIA. And that time, if they used the word CIA against someone, that person know what it mean. When I saw that, I was so frightened. I ran back home, trying to hold on to my younger brothers and sister. That moment, four of us tried to embrace each other. But I would never forget that the fear of being killed was so terrible. We were so shaky, we, we, we hardly stand still. In that moment, I only wish something like heart attack or maybe the bullet pierced through my brain quick. That's all I was thinking of. Soldier came to my house, arrest me, they bond my arm backwards. By then, I had almost like a two years old baby brother. They decided to release me, allow me to carry my baby brother, put him on an ox cart, and drove us to the jungle. With other kids, and also they were tracking my father and two other professors. When we got to the jungle, about 15 minutes prior to the killing, that time they were digging the graves not yet ready for us. I got off from the ox cart and carried my baby brother to my father, trying to give him a hug. Unfortunately, he could not hug me back because his arm was bone backwards. The moment I looked at, looked through my father's eyes, I was not sure what was going on in his mind as a father. But one thing I could tell that he was absolutely broken as a father. By the time they finished the grave, they took my father first. He turned back, he said, goodbye. We come together and we'll go together. They make him kneel down, they bust him from behind, fall into the pit, screaming, kicking. A Zulu chairman butchered him, slashed him. I saw every single act, how they killed my father. By then, one of the professors, when he saw that, he was so frightened, he tried to run away. They tripped him down, they chopped at him, clapped at him, grabbed his feet, threw him to the pit. A lot of kids were screaming. That was my turn. I carried my baby brother to the grave, put him on my left side, and knelt down. Someone passed from behind, falling on my father. 
Then I heard they clutched my baby brother at least four or five times. The first three times I could hear his scream was so loud. All I could remember was that there was a lot of bodies falling over me. Then I heard only hacking players chopping, butchering, slapping, screaming. I felt wet warmness on the blood over my body. By then, I, I assumed that they probably pointed me. They said, when they come down to finish everyone, but they miss me. And someone said, that one is not yet die. Soldier jumped and tried to pull somebody air over me. Then they hit me one more time. That was a very powerful. Blood comes through my nose and my mouth. I was so suffocated and I thought that I would finish. However, I decided not to move. I played dead. I could feel the soil topping on my body. They actually tried to bury. And someone said, don't bury yet. There's some more enemies need to be finished in this place. They left to pick up my mother, my sister, and other women who went to work in a farm early mornings. It took me about half an hour or so to get rid of the dead bodies over me. There I saw one of my younger brothers chop his head, split out, and brand pop out. Most of the victims, the cut throat still might spill open. I searched for everyone there. Unfortunately, no one survived except me. They crushed my father's skull from behind. They cut his throats. I think they broke his right ribs. He died already. But his eyes were still open. I tried to close his eyes. At that moment, as a young boy, sitting on a dead bodies the drama that happened that day in my life would never make my life the same again in my own conviction in that moment to ease the pain was to die I did not want to live then But after that, I, I decided to get out of the grave and uh, just try to look for a place to hide. There I saw the Khmeru were tracking my mother, my sister, and other people approaching from the right side of the grave. You know that the moment I, in my life, in that moment, I only wish that I would have a gun. You know what I do to save my mother. Unfortunately, I was just a little boy who was hopeless and helpless. There I saw they killed my mother, my sister, and other people. The rage, the anger, poked in my heart. I could never forget how my family was killed in front of me. After they finished killing 33 people, they buried the grave, and then they went back to the village in which they was not aware that I was alive. I crawled back to the grave, I pawned my head to the grave, I cried, I screamed until I lost consciousness. When I woke up again, I had to be by myself in deep dark jungle. I was so scared. I grieved and cried there for three days and three nights by myself nearby the grave. The third morning I woke up, I saw the big hole of fox stuck in to eat the flesh. The smell was so bad already. I tried to bury. And that time, I knelt down, I made three promises in my life. The first promise that I made was that as long as I live, I wanted to take a revenge for my family. Revenge would be a sign of honor for my family. That was my first promise. Second promise I made was that if I could not fulfill the first one as long as I live, 
I wanted to dedicate my life to be a Buddhist monk, to pay gratitude and respect to my family who was killed that day. The last promise that I made was that if I could not fulfill the first two promises, as long as I live, I would like to go far, far away from Cambodia, the land that brought a lot of pain and suffering. Anyway, I survived, but it was a very long, painful journey for my life. You know, after I lost my family, after that tragedy, two things I lost. First, my family was taken away forever. Second, I lost my mind. It took me many years to learn to overcome my psychological trauma. It was very, very painful. Life after tragedy was full of psychological and emotional crisis. After I regained consciousness as a young boy sitting on the dead bodies of my family, I could not imagine or understand what was going on in my life emotionally, psychologically, and intellectually, and spiritually, I was dead already. I could not feel, I could not think. I was like a zombie, you know, imagine like a 13 years old boy sitting on a dead body and walk out of that. I felt numbs on that day. I only wish that I would die. There's no way that a young boy had to deserve such suffering. I lost my mind and my ability to cope with my daily life. During the day, I could not think properly. My mind became so disrupted by flashback. At night, my mind shifted from flashback to fair nightmares. For many years after my family was killed, going to bed, it's almost like hell for me. One thing is hard for me to, uh, to, to, to fall asleep. And when those I fall asleep, the fear of nightmare was so intensified in my life. It was, it's almost like a, it's a glue you know, it's stuck in my mind. And, uh, imagine going to school and uh, sitting down. Uh, I could hear the hacking blade in my ear, how my father was killed. It's almost like I try I'm watching a movie in which I could not see in my eye, but in my mind that I could see it pop up in my head. It's almost like a popcorn, you know, when they, when they put on a, on a pan and when the heat come up, I try to control it, but I could not control it. It just bang, 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 bang. It disrupt my life. It was so painful to live with that. Many years after that, I realized that I suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, psychotrauma inflicted me on that day would take a lifetime. A psychological shock profoundly destroyed the core being of my, my life and my motive to move on. I become psychologically crippled. I could recall the moment I became conscious, sitting on a dead body, it was absolutely psychological shock in my life. And no one was with me. I was by myself in a jungle. Life was so terrible. From that moment on, I felt as though my sense of trust was stolen from me. I felt absolutely abandoned, alone, and cut off from the society. It created deep fear inside me. The deep fear hunts me for many years and destroy my trust in order ability to, to cope, ability to cope. With me many years after that, I didn't ever know how to bring myself to trust someone. And the worst case was that I was living my life with fear. One of the biggest fears was that during those times, the Khmer soldiers were wearing black uniform 
and many years after that, even those, uh, I went to Canada, you know, Canadian police force, they're wearing black uniforms. When I could see someone wearing black uniform like that, it triggered my memory. One incident in the, the first few days when I got to Canada, and there's a group of refugees came along with me. It happened that one young boy, he was sent to hospital. You know, uh, when he got to hospital, and he, he could not speak English, and then his mom was, could not speak English. And the doctor don't know what to do with him. And then when they open the shirt and they see, you know, in Cambodia they do a coin thing. Coin thing, right? You see the bruise mark on that, you know. And when the doctor saw that, they thought that uh, the parent abused the boy. And then they tried to talk to the mom, and mom cannot speak English. Imagine 11 or 12 o'clock at midnight. They came to the center where they put refugees there. And that night, four policemen knocking my door with a black uniform. Oh my goodness. They want to talk to me. Once they asked me if I could speak English a bit. I said, yes, I could speak English a bit. And the moment I saw them in the middle of the night, the memory of the Khmer soldier with the black uniform. It was hell in my life. Honestly, I pee in my pain already. Imagine the fear, the cripple, the psychological problem that, that, that strike me in that day. Then they took me to see the mother, and then I explained to the doctor, this is how the Cambodian do the counting, uh, hilting, and then they decided to drop choice on that. But I would never forget but those years when seeing someone wearing black uniform, it triggered my memory. Many years after that, I was living with a deep, dark depression. Depression was a deadly poison in my soul. It disrupted my way of thinking and behaving. I lost the joy of living. Every morning I got up, I could see no future for me. Except darkness. I think that scripture, uh, Proverbs 17 20, said it was actually correctly diagnosed my own deep dark depression. A, a crushed spirit dry up the bones. Imagine living with dry up the bones. Here are the symptoms of my uh, depression feeling sad. I could not see the joy of my life. Sadness of losing my family stayed with me for many years. You know what? It takes only a few seconds of psychological drama. It takes me many years to overcome that. Feeling hopelessness. Hopelessness was the greatest enemy of my life. Loss of interest and pleasure. I lost interest in talking to someone. I lost my goal and my personal motivation. Insomnia and no energy, sleeping was the most difficult thing. I suffered insomnia for more than 15 years. Imagine I could not sleep for 15 years. At, at one point, I, I, I thought that I would die of uh, sleep deprivation. Life was so difficult. Difficulty in concentration and absent-minded. I study and five minutes after that, I, I forgot all of that. Yeah. Because of my flashback and all kind of that, it disrupted my way of thinking. Restless and bad temper. If anything happened uh, to my family, it triggered my, my anger, it, it was hell in my life. Anxiety, uncontrolled worry. For many years, fear gripping my life. I was just, almost, I fear everything. Like I said, even though I see someone wearing black uniform, it, it created a lot of fear within me. It took me a year to work, learn to overcome of my fear. And uh, at some, at some time I thought that I was crazy, you know, because of the fear. Feeling guilty, 
I had a constant of feeling guilty. Uh, one, one of the biggest feeling guilty when I saw they took my mother to the grave. For year after that, I keep blaming myself that I failed to save my mother and my sister. It was so difficult to live with the fear. And then a persistent avoidance. I did not want to meet people that I used to know before. I tried my best to get away from all the people because I was so afraid. So these are the symptoms of my depression. So I used Psalm 23 to meditate. It took me many years to, to learn to meditate, uh, to overcome. So what I share with you today is part of my my journey that I use Psalm 20, 20, uh, 23 to meditate. The first one I call, it is a call to surrender my life to the Lord. In my struggle of learning to cope with my flashback and nightmare, I use this Psalm to medi uh, for meditation. I create in my mind, which means that in my mind when I meditate on this Psalm, I pretend that I was a sheep, the broken one, in which I need the good shepherd to protect me. You know, sheep is a defenseless animal. They cannot outrun a tiger, whatever. But with that regard, when I create my picture in my mind as a sheep, I only need the good shepherd to protect me. Which means that I don't need to fight with all my psychological flashback, nightmare, all kind of that. But it's not easy. It is a call to surrender all my trauma, all my problem, all my emotional and psychological uh, crisis to the Lord that please help me. Help me to overcome my own trauma. Which means that I stop fighting. You know, when you suffer with flashback, the more you try to control, the more it pop up. Like I said, like the popcorns. It doesn't work that way. In order to meditate on that I call my life to surrender to the Lord that the Lord is my shepherd my defender my fork my fortress and is my shepherd to protect me learning to surrender to the Lord never come easily and naturally it took my personal determination to go extra mile as I, exam uh, as, I, uh, as I examine my Christian faith, I realize that I need to learn to relinquish my life to the, my shepherd and surrender to his will on a daily basis. Which means that it's not only one day that you learn to surrender. Every day to learn to surrender as a Christian. Sometimes it's more like you're walking two or three steps and then you fall back one step, two steps, or even three or four after that. But I never gave up on learning to surrender to my Lord. The second, it is a call to trust the support of my soul. I not only surrender my life to the Lord or my soul, the support of my soul, but to learn to trust Him, to lead Him to feel uh, uh, peace and serenity. It is a genuine relationship between the the ship, the support and the ship. It's been a long struggle for me to learn to overcome my nightmare, flashback, and emotional disturbance. So when, when I struggle all that, uh, I learned to trust Him to lead me to peaceful and serenity. Learning, learning to, try, uh, to surrender to the Lord is a hard thing, but learning to trust Him it is also more difficult. Imagine in the middle of the night when I was disrupted by nightmare and flashback. Got up. In my Christian journey, I questioned, where is the Lord? I believe that some of you probably struggle with all kinds of different uh, issues. You woke up in the middle of the night. You ever ask yourself, do you still trust the Lord? You question. We all nature. We we struggle. 
But in my journey, I learned to trust Him and trust that He will lead me to the place where I feel peaceful solitude in my life. I pray that that He will guide me and restore my health back. Picture myself as a sheep. I trust the shepherd of my soul to make me lie down in green pasture. There was no better for me as a witch sheep than to look through the shepherd of my soul to bring me to meet my desire of green pasture and quiet water. When you struggle with a psychological or depression, all you need just peaceful solitude, serenity. That's all. Third, it is a call to walk forward with my shepherd. As I meditate on this verse, I create a picture in my mind of searching my shepherd. I just want to be with my shepherd. I invite him to take charge of my my fear, my nightmare, my flashback, my depression. I come to him to restore my brokenness. I continually trust him. Trust that the shepherd of my soul will heal my psychological trauma. In him, my mind can be peaceful and restored by his amazing grace. All I have to do to keep walking forward with my shepherd. At some point in my own journey, I feel discouraged. It seemed like the Lord was so far away from me. But I encouraged myself that I would never give up and keep walking with Him, searching Him for wholehearted in my life. I just want to be with my shepherd. My psychodrama had given more than enough trouble in my life, and I fought so hard to control a mental restlessness, but again, little ground. Now, as a broken sheep, come to my shepherd, I want to rest in his mighty arm and allow him to take charge of my mental restlessness, my fear, my depression, and my nightmare. I pray to the Lord. I told the Lord that I suffer this. Help me take away from all this. It took me years. Of course, at some point, I almost gave up. I'm a human being. I struggle. But I always remind myself that try my best to walk with him. First one, it is a call to walk with the courage to overcome fear. I personally found this word to be the most important for my meditation. But it was the most difficult to sit down to meditate on this on it. When closing my eye, picturing my, uh, put, uh, painting a picture of myself in a deep dark valley, I was filled with terrible fear. The fear of uh, dark haunts me uh, uh, many years, you know. For some reason, when I meditate on, uh, on this uh, passage, it, it was so difficult. I didn't realize that many years after that, the fear that I went through, especially uh, the first few days when I was in the jungle, hunts me for, for many years. I was by myself as a young boy in a deep, dark jungle. I was absolutely terrified. As I meditate on this, uh, my mind was constantly distracted by the internal fear. I had no sense, no peace and serenity at all. There's no peace at all. when. When I study on this, meditate on this, uh, it, it's just something there that really troubled me. And then I realized that there was a fear inside me. It crippled me. I felt to remain uh, silent. I, I felt to remain still. And the scripture, that, be still and know that I am your, your, your God. Even though I try to meditate on that, but the fear inside me, it really uh, disrupt my connection, my spiritual journey with the Lord. It, I struggle a lot. It's not only just psychological battle, but a spiritual battle too. 
it really, really hurt deep inside me. In my own darkness, I learned three secret things. First one, I was not alone. The Lord was with me. And when those at some time it seemed like he was too far away from me, I could not reach him. But I know that in my heart, the Lord was with me. Second, my shepherd had a purpose for me. The purpose is to learn to trust him in the deep dark valley of my life. You know, like I said, uh, sometimes in the darkness, uh, we struggle. About darkness, it can be financial, it can be a marriage crisis, it can be a, a chronic disease, it can be terminal ills and whatsoever. But in those darkness, in my own journey, I learned to trust the Lord. I learned to call out to the Lord the most in my life. Courage was not the absence of fear, but to feel the prison of the Good Shepherd was with me in terms of my needs. All I had to do was trust Him. And then the third secret thing I learned about my darkness was that in darkness, it was not the end. Sometimes when we're hit by, by all kinds of trouble in life, and we thought that we danced. In my own journey, I learned that darkness is not the end but it was the beginning of transformation. Which means that in darkness, I learned to call out to my God, help me in terms of my darkness. I learned to transform from my darkness. And also my Christian faith was built from my own darkness. Darkness is not the end, but it's the beginning of transformation. Fish one, and this word is a bit uh, difficult. It's a call to face my enemy. There are so many things to talk about this word, but I just want to address a few things. I can never forget how the Camaro did to my family, but I choose to forgive. The good support of my soul had taken me a long journey from the deep dark valley of my life through healing grace. Finally, he took me to meet my family killer and actually forgiving them. You know what? When we talk about enemy, we just want to go and crush them, right? I was in a police force. I was in a military uh, uh, soldier. When you go to the battlefield, make sure that you crush them, you destroy them. But in this verse, Psalm 23, I learned different things. My Lord has different purpose for me. It's to forgive my family killer. To forgive is not to gain back what I was initially lost, but to live with the loss by relying on the grace of God in my life, which means that I learned how to forgive. I choose to start again, and I choose to cancel what I actually wanted to do to them many years ago. I choose to stop what we call the pursuit of family honors. Yeah. I come back again. Forgiveness gave me the freedom to move on. The message of loving, of love, of my enemy transformed my life from being paralyzed by the power of hatred. I'm now free and cry. I'm a new person, a daily love child of God. Since Christ loves me, I can pass on that love to my enemy. It requires an extraordinary of Christian walks. If you were in my shoe, would you go to see your family killer and embracing them and forgiving them? Honestly. This is what I learned about forgiveness. First thing, get rid of all bitterness. 
had to forgive because I need to start life again. My body was not built to carry all this negative emotion. The only way to go was to forgive my family, kill them. Second thing I learned about forgiveness is that to live better, not bitter. I can never change my history of brokenness, but I can live my life better without bitterness, which means that I must let go of our bitterness. I did not dwell to the past, but I live for the future where the Lord God guide me. Third, to pass on what I freely receive because God has forgiven my countless sin. I must possess the spirit of forgiveness that He gave me. Therefore, I need to forgive sincerely and God forgive my countless sin. Fourth one, imitate my Lord is St. Paul. I call Jesus my Lord, my Master, which means I must obey His teaching of forgiveness. In my culture, if you call someone a Lord or a Master, it requires one principle only, which is an obedience. Therefore, I call Jesus my Lord, my Master. I must obey His teaching. And of course, we, we recite that prayer, forgive our debts, and we, forgive, we also forgive our debtors. And this is the last part of my journey to learn how to forgive. To demonstrate God's love to my enemy. The message of loving our enemy is the most fundamental teaching of Jesus Christ. He said, love your enemy, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. I come to realize that to love my enemy, my family killer, I had to forgive them. This is the most difficult road for me to travel. This is the man who actually killed my father. I went to see him, offer him a Cambodian scars as a symbol of my forgiveness for him. That's my shirt as a symbol of my love for him. And the Bible as a symbol of my blessing for him. Then I opened from Luke 23, verse 34. I said, Father God, forgiving them. You know what they're doing. You know, to say I forgive you from Canada to Cambodia with a long distance, it was very easy. But to actually make my trip to the village, to stand in front of man, look through the man's eye that, that he took my family forever away to say just a few words, I forgive you. That was absolutely painful in my life. There's no way with my own strength, with my own humanity, that I could do it. It was only the power, the grace of God in my life that helped me to be able to forgive my family killer. After that, I gave him a hug. It was a bit uncultured for men hugging each other. When I hugged him, I could feel that his body was more like a vibration. He was so shaky. I said to him, 28 years ago, when you took my family to the jungle, this is how I feel. But today I come back as ambassador of Jesus Christ. It is set you free. You may now go in peace. This is the man who actually killed my mother. I went to look for him three different times. The first two times, nobody was willing to tell me. And the third trip, before I met him, I met his wife. And soon she realized that I came to look for her husband. She broke down and knelt down cry and beg me, please don't kill my husband. I assure to her that I'm a Christian, I don't believe in killing, but just tell me where he is right now so that I can meet him and forgive him. She told me, here I went to sit down with him. You know that time I have a lot of hair, after I forgive him, all my hair is gone. So I did the same thing, I offered him a Cambodian scarf as a symbol of my forgiveness for him, a third a symbol of my love for him and the Bible as a symbol of my blessing for him. Then I opened from Luke 23, verse 34, I said, Father God, forgiving him. He did not know what he did to my family. 
Then he said that, you know why your God is so good to have you to forgive? You know what? I was given an order to kill your family. If I did not do it, they would kill me. But no matter what, I was wrong. You know what he said? Will you forgive me? Just a few words like that. I was weeping. I actually longed to hear that word almost 30 years in my life. The moment I heard that, I just broke down and weeps. I had accomplished my mission, which was to forgive my family killer. Like I said, there's no way in my own strength I could do it. It was simply the grace of God in my life. And the last verse was, it is called to bless order. As I look back to the moment when I was in a grave, there was no way I could survive from the killing field. But the good shepherd of my soul took me from the grave. I'm so grateful to the shepherd of my soul for sparing my life from the grave. In the last 20 years, I have traveled so many places to bless others by telling the message of hope, love, and forgiveness of my good shepherd. My shepherd has abundantly blessed me. He guided me to meet many good people around the world. I have traveled to many countries to share my story of forgiveness. My shepherd has not only blessed me, but also raised me to have many orders. If I were to write more books, I could write many more books how the Lord called me to meet the broken people and lead them to the Lord. Please take the moment I examine in your heart. Is there a hurt or anger or unresolved grief or disappointment? Whatever stuck inside that you struggle, take the courage and come up here. We can pray for you. Once again, thank you so much. May the Lord bless you.